Uh, hi, Danny. How you doing, man? Did you bring the kilts? Uh, well, yeah, we go. No, you, did you bring the fucking kilts? Aye. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's in the film. Someone asked. You... I'm sure. What do you mean you're sure? Do, have you watched it, Lewis? Yeah, I watch every film. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> On fucking spark notes, no doubt. I watch every film, but I have a terrible memory. That's the foundation of this podcast, is me not remembering what happened in the film when you inevitably say, oh, do you remember when John Smith did this obscure thing? And I say, no, no, I don't. <laughs> when did that happen? Well, there you go. I mean, it was pretty mm. obscure. But, um, yeah, so uh, but before we get into what we're talking about today, we've got some bullshit for you. We do! Yes, so let's uh, spin the wheel. I'm ready, Dan. Spin the wheel whenever you want. Whenever you're ready. I'm doing it again. Woo! <laughs> the Doctor Who Season 13 trailer has been released. Yeah! 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, um, we watched it, literally, just now. Yeah. Um... Yeah. We, Danny said, do you want to do the Doctor Who trailer for, for the podcast? Bullshit. And I said, yeah, all right. So uh, one minute and 38 seconds ago, we both watched it. Yeah, um, we did. And I, I've got it playing as well. As we're, Oh, exciting. Remem- I've closed the tab. Oh, just to remind myself of what, what it is we're no, talking No, I've committed about. it all to memory perfectly. <laughs> You'll, you will mention things and I will tell you whether or not they happened. Yeah, you've got every um, frame, you know, <laughs> Memorised, yep. Okay, so let's 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 get into it. So, and let in, in case you didn't know, this is going to be Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall's final season on Doctor mm. Who, which is big news. You know, uh, Jodie and Chris have been in it since um, season eleven. Quite so, a while, yeah, I know. Yeah, so it's been it's been three years. I said, well, longer yeah. than three years because it took them a while uh, for season twelve because of. Um, stuff and it's going to take them longer for series 13 because of covid and things like that um Mm. but the trailer is um 59 seconds yes and it makes me worried that there's not that much stuff to to entice me with in the actual season (laughs) yeah there's a teaser at the beginning that starts with uh jody saying uh get inside and some new person saying whoa and then that's yes, the trailer beginning. Yes, I think this is the new person who the internet keeps telling me was in Game of Thrones, which is something I also did watch, uh, but I don't recognise him at all. Yeah. Who was he in Game of Thrones? I, I had no idea. Oh, well, that bodes oh, no, well, wait. for my knowledge. Wait, let me just check. Um, I think it might be uh, Grey Worm. Yeah, I think oh. it, he might be Grey Worm. Um, Terrible name. Terrible fucking name. Or in High Valerian, a Torconodo. So there you go. Also terrible name. Well, Lewis, I know you don't like uh, (laughs) Game Game of Thrones. Um, No, I don't like Game of Thrones, but I like being a dick. So this is the situation we've ended up in. Yeah. I don't know if it's true. Yeah. Game of Thrones Grey Worm actor to play Hero Vinder. There we go. Vendor. There you go. Um, mm. So, yeah, so the trailer is... um, The trailer thought that it was necessary to put in that get inside and woe twice rather mm. than showing us different things. Mm. 
this is this is a bit of a controversial theory of mine, but I think trailers might be better if you just showed me a scene from the film that's very good. Or the film or the uh, whatever it might be, the TV show, radio play, whatever. I think that might be an interesting way to do trailers. Show yeah. me something that's very good from the film that will make me want to go and see it. Because I think, naturally, good storytelling makes you ask questions. If you show me a good scene and I think, oh, who was that guy knocking at the door? What? Why are they in some kind of stately home? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? What's? Why are they all wearing period clothes? Then that makes me want to go and watch the thing that you're producing. Yeah. And if the performances are good, the camera work is good, the audio work is good, I'm going to be impressed by the quality as well. So I've always thought maybe that would be better, rather than this insanely fast, choppy... Um, you have to watch it ten times before you understand it, sort of trailer style. Yeah, seems to be so very popular nowadays. Yep. Uh, some of the titles say uh, this is the Doctor's biggest adventure yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I suppose all trailers would say that. Um, yep. <laughs> we get some some John Bishop in action. He says, "No way," or so yeah, no way, and then falls and is like ah, and Yaz is like. Hi yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's. I do like Yaz, so I'm I'm glad that she's still in it. Yaz is a good character. Uh, yeah. I hope that we see some character development for Yaz. That would, that um, would be good. That would um, be good. Uh, I'm not holding any hope because we had some character development and then it all went down the pan in the final episode of last season. Yeah, so it, it did. Um, maybe this series will do a similar. I have no idea, but I am holding out a little bit of hope knowing that this is taking a different sort of narrative structure, which should be nice. Yeah, um, we, di- we discussed that in our last bullshit, mm. about, about a different uh, narrative structure. Do you know what I think they should have done? They should have taken a leaf from the Crown's book. Okay. Um, I don't know if you saw the... A history book? Real life? <laughs> I don't know if you saw the striking image of uh, Amelda Staunton as Queen yes, Elizabeth. I did. It, was, mm. it looked pretty, you know, pretty... Oh, Mm. Pretty accurate to how um the Queen looked in the in the nineties when, when this is where the crown is is set. So if they had a, a sort of striking image of something and put that out, that would probably have, have garnered a bit more mystique rather yeah, than exactly. a trailer that's like, a minute um, long and has a teaser for the minute long trailer. I don't think there was any need for a teaser mm. because the, the, the trailer is the teaser, you know? Yeah, um, plus, uh, like, um, one thing I did like from the trailer, this might just be my specific brand of, of nerd, um, but um, the thing that John Bishop appeared to fall into looked, to my eye, to be, like, sort of an ancient Egyptian tomb, because uh, I think Yaz was wearing, like, period clothes, like, as in Victorian-era, sort of yes. Egyptologist-type period clothes, so I was thinking maybe that could be an interesting thing about what the curse of King Tut's tomb was all about. Absolutely. Um, what was his name? Was it Howard Carter, the bloke that opened that tomb? I can't remember. Yep. And maybe we'll get some kind of horrifically um, not very good commentary by the BBC of, um, you know, when you walk around like the uh, the British Museum, it says, oh, the museum acquired this in 1853. Do you mean the museum went and stole it from wherever it was? <laughs> yeah. No, sir, that this was acquired by the museum. Maybe we'll get some really poor commentary by Doctor Who on that. <laughs> or maybe we'll get some really nuanced and pretty entertaining commentary on it, which I'm I'm certainly hoping for. 
I'm hoping for, yeah. Hope for yeah. the best, plan for the worst, though. So I'm buying a big tub of Ben and Jerry's so that for every sad thing they say that makes me sad, I can have a big spoonful of Ben and Jerry's. Absolutely. Um, some of the comments, we, we could read some of them. Uh, oh, I like one them. I'll be honest, the way this is edited just screams like the editor didn't have enough clips to do a full trailer with a tight <laughs> deadline. It does. And assets it based... Does. Yeah. And assets based on the costume, so they made do with what they had just feels rushed and unfinished it does a little bit i have to say um you're hiding something any questions no see you soon this trailer seems suspiciously self-aware i feel like they thought that if they showed that clip of the guy saying whoa enough that's how the fans will feel (laughs) jesus the end says here um uh, sorry on you go um this trailer shows that series 13 still exists and viewers are just as clueless about what happens in series 13 as before. Yep, I've this trailer has not taught me anything. No. It um I I can tell that Jodie Whittaker is a charismatic performer, so is um Mandip Gill. I don't know if John Bishop is. I like John Bishop's stand up. Yeah. So but, I suppose I mean, that's maybe good. Just cuz I think that you know, uh what's his name? Bradley Walsh is a bit funny on the chase sometimes doesn't mean that you need to True, true. Fucking. Uh, the end was the end was literally BBC saying to us, "Any questions? No. See you soon." <laughs> true, that's true. Yeah. Um. There's a jetpacky thing here. I don't really understand what's going on. This was in the trailer. Sorry, I'm going through and looking at some key bits. Um. Judging by the boots and the trousers, I'm thinking this is the Doctor on one half, and I don't know, it could be Yaz on the other half. This is just a random pair of legs. It could be anybody. Um, so I'm excited to see the jetpack planet thing, whatever the yeah. hell that is. Yeah, that's going to be good. Um, her biggest adventure yet. So we're we finally getting a proper season wide arc. Oh, that could be interesting. Um, it could be. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Jodie Whittaker using a slingshot. That would be good, I suppose. Yeah. Interesting that the whole season will be one story this time. Yeah, so that's someone's commenting on what we we did a a, a, a bullshit segment on. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, hang on. I've just sorry. I'm just doing some quick maths. This YouTube video is 58 seconds long. The trailer yeah. stops at 42 seconds and starts at 10 seconds. So it's only 32 seconds long. So. Is it is it ten seconds? I thought it was four. It's the, oh, it the wee teaser at the beginning. Whoa, eyebrow raise, and then four, five seconds in five. It's the the trailer that starts. Oh yeah, and okay, then it yeah, goes. That up. And then it goes to. It goes right to. Uh, so Jodie Whittaker walking through some fog. Thirty. Forty-three. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I do like that they're leaning into the sort of pattern from the jumper. Yeah, of, not a, not not quite a rainbow, not quite not a rainbow. Whatever it's meant to be. I do like that. Um, that's cool. I like that they're leaning into that. That's cool. It's um, although it would it have been like they're introducing Matt Smith's doctor by saying, "Here's a dozen fezzes, enjoy." Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. Maybe it's not quite as good as it could be. I suppose. I mean, there's the whole thing about the the 60th anniversary. Um. That oh yeah, of course. I when is that? Well, it's in it. It's in 2023 because the last one was in 2013. Yes, of course it was. So I don't know if Jodie will still be there for that, you know. Mm, um, mm. But unless this comes out in twenty twenty two, and you know has like you know a series of specials, sort of like how they did it with David Tennant, 
in his mm, last mm. thing, but that could be interesting. Because they are um, doing a series of specials, aren't they? Yeah, I thought I read that somewhere. Mm. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, not a lot to go on, to be honest. I would rather, like, some, someone's just commented, this is more like a teaser than a trailer. It's like, yeah, this, yeah, this shouldn't be the Series 13 trailer. Let's go, I want to go back to the Season 12 trailer. I want to go back Ooh. and see okay. how that looks compared to this one. Series 12, Doctor Who. Uh, trailer. Yeah, well, that's one minute and 16 seconds, so it's a bit longer. Um, Seemed to be a bit more excitement around that because mm. it has a lot more views, certainly. Um, But, I mean, it was released a week ago and it has, what, 440,000? That's pretty low for a, you know, for a, a show like Doctor Who, you know? Mm. So mm. that sort of worries me a wee bit. But I can't judge it until I've watched it, so, no, you know... I just, I just want it to be good. <laughs> yeah, that someone commented that as well. Please be good this time. So, mm. yeah, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I, indeed we will. <laughs> <laughs> Any final however, thoughts? However that could possibly look. Um, <laughs> no no real final thoughts, just, God, I hope Doctor Who is good this time. It, yeah. um... Oh, I'm tired of not enjoying Doctor Who. I love sci-fi. I love Doctor Who. I just want Doctor Who to be good. Yeah, that'd be that'd be handy, you know. Be nice, um, wouldn't it? Mm. It certainly would. But we'll see. Anyway, we are here um today, and we are talking about the film Train Spotting. And we are. Yeah, it's a it's a dark film, and it was a. Uh, Written by Irvin Welsh, who wrote the book, and John Hodge. He was also in it. Was he? Yeah, uh, briefly. Sorry, I. this is a bit of trivia I learned in preparation for this oh, episode. Um, there you go. Irvin Welsh in Train Spotting. Yeah, he played like Mickey Forrester, that's it. Oh. Um, he was. He's made a cameo appearance as the drug dealer Mickey Forrester. Oh, yeah, so he does, that's right. There you go. Bit of, bit of, bit of knowledge there. Um, Arc at me, learning uh, obscure facts. Yeah. I'm I'm bloody good, aren't I? (laughs) And uh, it was directed by Danny Boyle, who has directed quite a few things in his time, uh, Mm -hmm. and is starring Ewan McGregor, uh, Robert Carlyle, Johnny Lee Miller, and Ewan Bremner. So there you go. Um, Do you have an opening statement? Um, I do. Maybe heroin is bad. Wow. That's... Lewis, I'm going to have to ask you to expand on that. That's a pretty hot take, if I do say so myself. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously heroin is still sort of a bad and, and damaging thing in lives. But like, I think that, um, I don't know, It's the film isn't really about heroin in a weird way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's about, it's about sort of what does it truly mean to, to have friends and what does it truly mean to make decisions. And I don't know, it's... As with all of Danny Boyle's films, there's something nice going on somewhere. In it. Well, not nice, but there's something more intense going on underneath the peak. Bloody hell, I can't fucking speak today. On, on underneath the sort of top layer of meaning of oh, it's about some guys that like heroin. Yes, um, a very raw and dark look at the problems of addiction. What can make someone a morally bankrupt person, and how much responsibility does one person take? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's um yeah, you're right. It's um it does talk about morals in a very interesting way. And uh, I guess we're on CRQs now because I'm talking at my arse all the time, <laughs> so that's good. Um I listened to a podcast not so long ago with an addiction doctor. Um they oh. had some actual 
title that was not addiction doctor it was some kind of fancy word um but yeah yeah, with a a doctor that sort of helped people suffering with addiction and um there was a couple of you know tiny obscure interesting facts where um they said that alcohol is the only thing that you can technically be addicted to under certain different laws from certain countries or something like that Um, yeah but you know obviously that's fucked but the thing that really stuck with me that they said was that there's much more of a disease component to addiction than you would possibly imagine Mm -hmm. it's 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 not at all the moral choice after a after a after a a, a, after even the first time or even before the first time it's not a choice the person is making absolutely they just can't help but do it yep um it's like a, a compulsion or a tick almost it's something that the person can't help but do and i think it's I don't know it's that's really stuck with me and it stuck with me throughout watching this is it's not about sort of the heroine in a strange way is not sort of moral like a like a lack of morals it's just a thing that they can't help but do in their lives they can't yep. help but be in this situation it's bizarre absolutely you know it's um, it's still uh very romanticized in hollywood like just mm. just i mean mental health problems you know um in themselves are romanticized but like addiction is something oh, that pisses that's like, me off yeah yeah it's but addiction is something that i think a lot of people have a hard time understanding it's you know you'll get people who are very judgmental and say well just pick yourself up and it's like well you have a choice you don't have to do it no one forced you it's like well maybe not the first time but it's like you know a lot of the times, even even the first time is forced. It's down to peer pressure. It's down to a lot of different things that could be mm. do, to do with poverty. And then it's sort of you know, got its, its hooks like, in you, yeah. And it's you're right. It's not a choice. It's not you know because I I would imagine that most people don't really want to spend all their money yeah. on heroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, if because if if anyone was acting in a sort of rational way with all of their faculties intact. After seeing a child, an infant die because of heroin, any rational person would never touch it ever again if they could help mm-hmm. it. But they can't, and that's the, the, you know, the point that the film's... It's what's so fucked about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a great, there's um, a great TV show called um, Euphoria. And you have mentioned this to me, which I haven't seen it. Yeah, you, you, you've said we need to do it for the podcast. Yeah, uh, starring uh, Z- Zendaya and... Uh, uh, other people that you might recognise, um, mm. and it feels like a very sort of Americanized, uh, you know, oh, uh, kissing booth esque sort of thing, and then you realise yeah. it's it's actually very well written, and it's actually rather progressive in the things that it does because you know the 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 principal character Rue does a lot of horrible things because of her addiction, and mm, mm. it takes great lengths to show that it's not because she wants to hurt the people around her or you know wants to be a a, a, a bad person if you want to mm, mm. call her that it is to do with with what drugs do to you as a person it's not you doing it it's the yeah yeah it's, it's the, um it's the addiction yeah and that's one thing that um really frustrates me about like you briefly touched on it a few moments ago is the sort of the glamorization of of um of, of mental illness in hollywood it really it sort of infuriates me this idea of so oh, such a tortured soul and it's sort of such a it's it's part of their art it, their their depression is part of their art and stuff and van gogh eat, ate paint because he wanted to get the yellow happiness inside him no he ate paint and cut his ear off because he was depressed yeah because he had severe mental health issues 
and if we'd have had a therapist maybe his paintings would have been different but he would have lived a lot longer and isn't that better yeah it really pisses me off this um, for obvious reasons but it really annoys me this um incessant glamorization of mental health issues and um the the big one in recent years has been 13 reasons why which by the way is on sort of it's third or fourth season now they keep making that which is insane it's ridiculous Um, i mean it's the 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 person that it's sort of focused around has sort of deep mental health issues but rather than it being portrayed as something that that's like needs to be resolved and she needs help it's portrayed as she's different and she's special and Mm. her Mm. mental illness makes her uh, amazing and it's like you know oh she's just above everyone i'd love to yeah that's really yeah it's it's yeah (laughs) someone who has those problems you shouldn't be revering them you shouldn't be emulating them you should be helping them and Mm. and hope that they can get help in in their life and that's what Mm. really frustrates me um no, I couldn't agree more. I, I read the book, and I remember thinking as I read the book, um, okay, so all these people have done these horrific things to this girl, um, and she's killed herself as a result of, of these things. So are they going to face some kind of comeuppance? Yeah. No, not really. It's just some kind of moral thing. Okay, and no one's going to educate anybody on mental health? No, yeah. not really. Okay. Um, and it's just it's the most insane handling of that and speaking of someone who was very depressed for many years it's just so fucked yeah and I, I think it's one of those things that um depression is not something you cure it's something you learn to live with and learn to deal with and learn to function in spite of yeah. really literally in spite of on some days it's you know what fuck you depression goblin i'm gonna go and make a sandwich because i fucking want one yeah and i think that's that's the life you have to live some days and it infuriates me to see that being so glamorized and adored. And I think the only reason that train spotting is sort of, here we go, me bringing it back around somehow slowly, is um, the only reason I can sort of get on board with what train spotting is doing is because they do point out, yeah, the, the drugs, it fucks them up. This is something that they can't help but do, and it really fucks them up. Yeah. Like, when you watch something that skins, like, mm. especially if you're younger, you could probably come away with the, oh my God, they're so cool, you know? Mm. And like, even in the show, like there's a character called Effie Stoneham, great name, I mean, fucking Jesus. Uh, it's it's portrayed in a very sort of, a very sort of biased way, like, oh, Effie sees through everyone and she's, you know, so, but it's like, it's like when, when you look at it, she has deep-seated psychological problems that no mm. one is helping her with because her parents also have deep psychological problems. And rather than it being portrayed in a way where she needs to get help, it's like, no, she's just going to float through life. And it's just, you know, it's she's just one of those people and it's, and it's amazing and it's really cool. It's horrible, you know? It just romanticises it to fuck. And where that sort of splits between this film, no one at the end of this film you you would want to emulate. Like yeah, that that's yeah. that's why I think it works. It's like the Renton has that speech at the end of the film where mm. it's like, Yeah, I'm done with all that. I'm gonna get a job just like you and it, it rings hollow because that's not how addiction works. It just mm. seems as if it's like constantly throughout the film it's I just I'll have one more hit for one uh, for old time's sake and stuff like that. That's 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 essentially what it is. You know, it's 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 incredibly difficult it's not 
a choice that you can just uh, drop whenever you want. It's something yeah, that yeah. you need a lot of help with to get over that. Yeah, and that that's um, you're you're completely right on that, and it's something that gets me about um, alcohol addiction. People don't realize how physically dangerous it can be. Like um, you yeah. physically cannot go cold turkey from intense alcoholism to sort of normalcy. You can you physically cannot do that. You will die. You need yeah. to be supervised by a doctor in that situation. So it's that's one thing that does get me about cold turkey and when um fucking hell ewan mcgregor um renton is that his name renton yeah yeah renton when he goes cold turkey and it's it's sort of like uh he's just doing his bit to get clean of heroin it's like well okay i know that's what he wants to do but it's probably not gonna work that's not it's not really a tenable solution you know yeah no definitely um I don't want to sound like a sort of bad advert for like Scotland or anything like that, but um, <laughs> people that Begbie actually exist, and I've mm. met them. <laughs> there are people that that are just like that and mm. sound mm. like that and behave like that and just are so like like I mean, fucking beyond reproach. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, it's easy to see Begbie as like you know he's a villain, but he's you know he's he's clearly got psychological problems as well. You know all of these all of these people are just incredibly damaged, and yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a commentary on that. And because it's you know film can glamorize it, it's hard to sort of keep that in your head that these people yeah. need help rather than you know oh oh I'm gonna go and spend all this money and get more dr-. you know it's like it's. It's really weird how that's been presented. Mm. Um, no, you're right. It's um, that's a tiny thing. Um, I did not know this was in Scotland until I started watching the film. I all my life I've heard about Train Spotting, Danny Boyle's big film, and the thing that like there was like this amazing sort of film. And um, yeah. then I watched it, and I was like, oh god, it's in Scotland. I had no <laughs> idea. Uh, that's not at all relevant to anything. It's just a tiny thing that I just thought of. Yeah. No, definitely. Um. I'm very sort of because I've read the book Train Spotting mm, mm. and like, I think it's, I have it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good book. Um, it's it's constantly been said about Ir- Irvin Welsh's sort of books that they're incredibly difficult to film. Mm, mm. And there's there's another film uh, by uh, I can't I can't remember who um directed it, but um it's it's called Filth and it's starring James McAvoy. And a yes. lot of Irvin Welsh's work is very sort of abstract and mm. sort of metaphors that he uses, like, you know, with the the rent and sort of swimming down into the big toilet, you know, and, like, mm. just uh, abstract stuff like that or when he's when he's trying to get rid of the, the drugs in his system. Mm. This film works in that way, whereas... Mm. Mm. Filth falls a bit shorter because there's like literary stuff about like a tapeworm being a narrative device and stuff yes. like that, and it just makes it a lot more difficult to try and you know look at it that way. But this film really does it very well, and there's a there's a humor to this film that that filth doesn't really sort of quite capture. It's rather it's mm. just so unrelenting and it's incredibly unpleasant to watch mm. because there's like. You know, you can get sort of redeeming character features with like characters like Spud in this film, who's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's a, you know, he has problems, but he's he's endearing, 
in a lot of ways and he's got that sort of innocence about him whereas everyone in filth is just fucking shocking <laughs> you know it's like it's, it's called <laughs> yeah, filth yeah. for a reason um so that's uh, just comparing those two films because i think i think if i'm right those are the mm. the only two films that have been made about arvin welsh's work um yeah because so i think Trainspotting 2 obviously was a film i think it was also a book I think the book was called Porno or something like that. Yes. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I auditioned for it. and I remember you mentioning this a while ago on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, met, I met Danny Boyle and he was very um, intense, shall we say. And <laughs> uh, I asked him, is this like a, a sort of direct adaptation of, of Irvin Welsh's book? And he was like, no, it's more my sort of iteration of it. And mm, I was like, "All oh, mm. right, okay," because it is. Um, I haven't, I haven't read the second one, but it is different in a lot of ways, and mm. it proposes that Renton has changed, and that okay. what he said to do at the end of the film, he went and did. Which mm. is this the film or the book? Eh, the film. Okay. And um, it makes a great point about the giving Spud the money, as if that's like mm. a good choice, because he was still a drug addict. And mm, mm. you know what? What is a drug addict going to do if they're given like you know thousands of pounds? They just you're going to go and buy drugs. They yeah. go, and that's that's a point they make. So like Renton comes back like twenty years later and has to like deal with, you know, his 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 three, in quotation marks, friends. You know, so it's mm, like mm. it's interesting from that perspective. But I think that it stands better on its own. You know, as a sort of just a slice of of horribleness. To sort mm, of show mm. you what 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 drugs and and things like that can do, especially like poverty as well, and how that yeah yeah um informs it um um yeah I've got a note written down here that I'm struggling to <laughs> sort of decrypt from my nightmarish handwriting. <laughs> I've got Tommy equals the baby question mark died from neglecting slash indulging his inner chimp. The inner chimp. Are you aware of the inner chimp? This idea of you have an inner chimp. Um. No, I, okay. I mean, I mean, it, so, it sounds it sounds like one of those things that you're familiar with, and then mm. it's like you just need someone to sort of explain it to click it into your head. But go go tell what's the, what's yeah. the inner chimp? The inner chimp. It's this book written by a doctor of psychology. Um, it's supposed to be this sort of self help concept, but it's more interesting if you just sort of in, interpret it to the rest of your life. The idea of like um, the human you uh, wants to I don't know have success in your job and have. Uh, sort of abstract concepts that the chimp that you evolved from can't really understand. So you have to sort of find a way to placate both the chimp and the human in order to find success in certain aspects of things. And um, I thought Tommy and the, and the way he sort of died from... This is another thing that you might not have heard of. Are you aware of that thing where they give mice heroin? Yes. Yeah, they press... The mice will essentially just press the heroin button and forgo food until they die. Because yeah. heroin is just great, apparently. Um don't do heroin but like the um yeah don't do heroin but the um the point i'm slowly coming around to is perhaps tommy is this tommy is sort of he lent too far to one side of the chimp scale and sort of it sort of uh, indulged the inner chimp to such a degree that he just died he sort of neglected the uh the the sort of the human desires and went went full chimp yeah i mean that's it's a poor way to explain it, but do you see what I'm getting at? No, absolutely. I mean, that's an interesting way of looking at it, you know, um, especially the way you sort of bring up the baby. Like, both of them are, like, 
maybe it sort of goes back to that sort of responsibility argument. Mm, like, mm. is the baby's death any different to anyone else's death, if you know what I mean? Mm, mm. Because, I mean, we've, we, like, most most medical professionals know that like, drug addiction is like, like a, a certain amount of responsibility can be put on people, but ultimately it's it's something that cannot be helped unless you're given help you know it's not something that you can just drop like that so like Mm. you know i mean it's shown in the film immediately after the baby's death the mother immediately just goes back to you know getting more heroin it's like no one Mm. no one with with all the faculties would ever ever do that so Mm. that that's something yeah so it's like tommy dies because of heroin and ultimately the baby does so is it like who's is the responsibility any different really because they just are both the victims of this of this situation in a strange way tyrannical you know addiction you know it's like mm, it's mm. it's an interesting way to look at it um i don't know what you mean about how the baby's sort of can like comparable to tommy being like the inner chimp is that because like the baby's like very young and like is I think the thing I was trying to go for is is does the baby represent sort of an inner chimp in the strange well I suppose the inner human rather than the inner chimp the heroine being the chimp and the baby being the human of like you do have to sort of the idea of like um uh, life being a support system for art and not vice versa you can't what they want what these these addicts want is to be able to live in a world where they can both do a load of heroin and also um live a life they want and have this baby in the house and and do whatever they want to do and sort of stuff but they sort of have to come to realize as time goes on that that's not at all possible they they can't have it both ways and i think that's what i'm what my scrambled notes were trying to get out about the baby the idea of like they they can't help but fall down the path towards the the heroine so they just accidentally almost neglect the baby well i suppose deliberately accidentally you just see what i'm getting at they, yeah. they the baby is neglected because they can't help but go down the heroin pathway absolutely i mean i saw i saw a sort of comparison to like drug addiction is that living in a dictatorship mm, like mm. everyone has their needs and wants whether it be their family or their job or their baby or or, or whatever it is but if you're living in an authoritarian regime, mm, you know, mm. you're probably not going to get a lot of say because of, like, the sort of external pressure that's put on you. And yeah. Because like, addiction is a tyranny, you know? It's like, it's it forces you to abandon what, what you consider sacred for this unobtainable... Nightmarish thing, yeah. Unobtainable unobtainium that you can never get, you know? It's like, yeah. you're always going to want more of it by necessity and i think that's a a great way to look at it and mm, sort mm, of frame definitely. it as a as as a, a, a someone forcing your hand rather than you going no i suddenly hate everyone in my life and i care about nothing and i just want this that's not how human beings work you know it's it's something mm. else that that compels people to to go down that route you know, rather than just yep, I yeah. I know I know what I want, and suddenly, f- fuck all responsibility because this thing is just you know is uh, just rationally weighing it all up. I've got my wee Venn diagram. I know what I'm after. You know, it's like it's uh, it's yeah, almost like an allergy. Down the you wrong know, pathway. Yeah, 
Um, but it's it's interesting to sort of look at it that way. Um, mm, mm. I just want to say, <laughs> this is the man that directed Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they're so totally different as movies go. Yeah, I mean, he also directed Steve Jobs, which I didn't know. Yeah, um, I've just Googled him quickly so I can surprise you with some facts. Yeah, he did Google Steve Jobs. He, he Googled Steve Jobs. He directed Steve Jobs. Apparently he did 127 hours. Yeah, he did. That's right. Um, I know he did Slumdog Millionaire, which is also on this list. He absolutely um, did. 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got a, he's got a pretty... Christ, ex- he's done loads of stuff. Yeah, so, stuff that you just were like, what? Su- surprised mm. about. Um, I'm going down now, so I don't really know... Lennon or McCartney. I mean, I think he's a big Beatles fan. Uh, he's an anti-monarchist. I know that. Mm-hmm. Based. Uh. Based. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> consider me dead. Uh, you know, you know when you see someone's second or a first and second name, and you don't automatically assume it's who you're thinking about. Mm. That's what I thought when we reviewed yesterday. I was like, no, that can't be Danny Boy who did Train Spotting. I mean, there's just like nothing going on there that, yeah. that would even like because a lot of a lot of filmmakers have like thematic sort of through lines, whether it be mm. you know Quentin Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson or people like that. They always have a sort mm. of you know, you know what I'm saying. But I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's interesting to see it that way. Uh, what do you think Danny Boyle's through line is, if he were to have one? Um, temptation. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I um, in in a strange way, I sort of view his work as like life in a strange way, sort of the the exploration of choose life, the intense life, the the characters in the things he's talking about, like um, uh, as in it's easy to sort of uh, imagine um. Steve Jobs or some random pop star or addicts, it's easy to just give them a personality that you think they have. Maybe, and maybe his work is to some degree about sort of diving into the intricacies of that and saying, okay, but what actually is that like? What actually is the truth behind that situation and, and sort of ripping the face off of off of the, your preconceptions? Yeah, definitely. No, Which I, think... I suppose is all cinema in a strange way. Yeah. I mean, maybe Desperation... Because now I'm thinking about mm. it like we 127 hours, which is like very much about desperation. Um, I don't know, but sometimes you get people who just like doing completely different things, you know. Mm. Um, I mean Robert Carlyle plays John Lennon, and yesterday, so I kind of mm. that's why I was like, maybe, well, maybe it is that Danny Boyle because of, you know, he's probably called up uh, Robert and just been like, oi getting this film about the Beatles, you know. That's my Danny Boyle impression, folks. Um flawless. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, better than Bernie Sanders. Uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite character out of the four, the the, the four biggins? No. No, I don't. No. Um I think it's impossible to have a favorite character. What do you have a favorite character? I'd say Spud. Yeah. S- yeah. Spud's probably the most innocent out of out of all of them. Mm. He's the most victim me. Yeah. In a strange way. That brings me to another question. We've established that addiction is very much an external sort of thing that that the majority of people cannot help. And it's yeah. a medical condition that, that needs to be fucking recognised and dealt with. Mm. But is addiction 
all that Renton is suffering with, because there well, are okay. there are there are points where he just seems very deceitful. Like, okay. I mean, how does how does it? Like, I mean, I guess you could say that all of his actions are to do with addiction in a in a sense. I mean, maybe he took that money to go buy more drugs. But like, I mean, he also what else does he do? He has. Um, well, he um, he has sex with that schoolgirl as well, mm. which is a that th- throws you off when you watch that. But yeah, but also then again, he didn't know. But it's like it's is is it is it him being malevolent or is it circumstance that makes him malevolent or is it a mixture of both? That's an incredibly painful question. Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure because. He doesn't seem to be an outwardly malevolent person, does he? He doesn't seem to be outwardly hateful or violent or any of those sort of things. It's, it's that's another thing I sort of wrote down. Is it's kind of about nature versus nurture in a strange way. Yeah. How much of these people's actions is because of who they are, and how much is because of the situation they find themselves in? It's sort of impossible to say. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you think he's a malevolent person? Um. Well, I went to see the the stage play. And okay. they make him a lot more malevolent in that. They make him like do some stuff that has nothing to do with drugs, and that okay. he just like. I mean, I think there was like, I think at Tommy's funeral, he has like sex with Tommy's mum. God. Yeah. So it's like there's stuff that he does that's just out outwardly, you know, bad, and Horrendous. he just says, "Oh, because yeah. I, I can," you know. It's like there's there's a certain amount of that, but I think in this he he seems more passive. Mm. In that way, where he's just uh, going along with it because of the circumstance, you know. Um, is he is he more malevolent in the book? You said you you read that. Yeah, he is because the stage play sort of takes cue from cues from the book mm. as well. Mm. But I suppose if you're making a film, you're probably going to want to make the protagonist a little bit more sympathetic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, apart from filth, like, well, to be fair, he's probably he's. The the main character, uh, Bruce Robertson, is uh he's much worse in the book, but he's he's horrible in the film as well. Um mm. Ewan McGregor and James McAvoy give really good performances in in that sense. Mm. Um I mean it's it's no surprise to anybody that Ewan McGregor and James McAvoy are superb actors. Yeah. Just in case anyone was out there like, well, I'm not fucking watching them. Is he good? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've just Googled filth, um, and apart from lots of pictures of, of James McAvoy um, sticking his fingers up and looking miserable, um, there is a review from The Guardian, two stars. Is the movie that bad? Well, that's the that's the question. Because of how like, utterly unrelenting it is, like, I mean, I, I like, um, oh, what's his name? Who's the who's the British uh, reviewer who does a lot uh, of films? He, Mark Kermode? Yes, him. Uh, mm. He he said, if you're into just like a, a, a you know an hour two hours of like pain and uncomfortableness, then it's going to be the film for you. But mm. where it differs from Train Spotting is like Train Spotting has an element of humour, you know, mm. and mm. it's like it's it feels more like punching upward than downward if you know what i mean yeah whereas like the 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 film filth is about a police officer who has power and like he's a lot harder to sort of get behind if you know what i mean because he's like his 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 motivation is that he's he's essentially 
essentially abused his wife and has oh, lost God. custody of his of his children and mm. um he's racist he's bigoted he's got sectarianism views he's homophobic he's a horrible horrible character so it's like whereas Renton is more of a you know he has moments of eloquence as well yeah like he's sort he, of more of a passenger yeah when he talks about like Scotland being colonized and sort of just you know laughing and just sort of like you know he just seems mm. like more of a regular person that that's been caught up in this horrible life whereas Bruce is like a he emanates it you know he's he's mm. so miserable and there's scenes where he's like he's talking to a homeless guy and and uh, this homeless guy's just asking him how he's doing and all that and if he could spare any change and his first reaction is to say oh it's going to be a cold winter and stuff like, like just horrible shit like that you know mm. so I mean it makes a good it makes a good point but do you really need a two hour film about a <laughs> About a miserable misanthrope <laughs> to to get mm. it through your head that the police can be a bit shit sometimes, you know. Um, so I don't know, but I think I th- I would I would definitely watch it. You might I think I think you might turn it off halfway through though. <laughs> like you might be like, "Fuck <laughs> this! What am I doing to myself?" <laughs> but yeah. Um. Oh, um, I'm running out of notes here quite drastically in a very strange way. It's, yes. Um, it's always the thing with good films is you, you you talk about how good they are and then you forget to talk about anything else. Yeah, you can't um, you can't really say much other than that addiction should be recognised as a as a health condition and heroin is bad. Like, there's not really mm, mm. you know, but um Um I've got something here. Um Tommy dies from to- toxoplasmosis, doesn't he? Yes. Yes. There was a lot of like weird, intense um fear and hatred about that a while ago. Um I also listened to a podcast about a cat doctor who is the person that exists. Not a vet. He was very clear to point that out. Uh, she, I think it was, actually. Oh. Uh, they were very clear to not point that out. They were like a doctor of cat behavior and psychology. Yeah. Um, apparently, toxoplasmosis isn't really a problem if if you just get a cat that doesn't have it. Oh. Um, and then even if your cat does have it, um, if you just wash your hands after you've touched their poo, then you're fine. Um, so that, that's something that I've, for some reason I was like, yeah, I should, maybe I should bring that up. Um, wow. not entirely sure why, but yeah, that's the only extra thing I have. Yeah. I mean, there might be something to that, like what, what you were saying about the inner chimp, because mm. the, the kitten survived, like the more animalistic side of, of maybe Tommy, like, you know, survived and won the, the yeah. battle, if you know what I mean, that could be, because there was, as it was being described, it was just like a, a 30 second frame of this little tiny innocent kitten you know mm, mm. so it's like it was very do you know what it reminded me it reminded me of the shining that scene okay. where it's that guy wearing the bear suit and it's like it's so oh God, yeah yeah jarring with such a horrible situation there's just this little this funny image or picture of like you know mm. humor or, or jolliness that kind of was weird in in the shining movie i didn't yeah I didn't, I didn't get it in the shining movie i remember i looked it up read an explanation and still didn't get it in I... in the book it's um sorry do you mind if i spoil the book for you yeah go on spoil it well essentially the exact same events occur um but the hotel explodes um so oh, but yeah. like um That's yeah right. in the book um the jack nicholson's character um whose name i've fucking forgotten christ jack in the book, jack nicholson that's it, Jack Torrance. He sort of 
in learning about the hotel, who is which is sort of um, haunted and and has these sort of um, these sort of spirits, and and it's got like a dry charge of all the people that have died in it and stuff. Um, through being in the hotel and learning about the hotel's past, um, he sort of is able to travel back in time a little bit and interact with the spirits of people that have died in the hotel. Yeah, and. Um, then in the bar, he's like sat having a drink because he's a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So it's like a big thing about when he travels to speak with these spirits, he can drink because he thinks there's like it's okay because he's not really doing it and stuff. Ah. Uh, it's like a whole thing to do with his alcoholism, which I suppose kind of ties into train spotting. Yeah, in a funny true. Way. Um, but yeah, uh, in the bar when he's having a drink, there's um, this one particularly rich guy who's making one particularly poor guy dress up like a dog or and and sort of. Um, catch treats and 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 sort of humiliate himself for the sake of money and it's meant to be sort of a sort of an interesting sort of take on this person from history and and sort of the massive inequality and stuff because jack torrance has taken the job because he's incredibly poor yeah and sort of well what about the people who's actually own the hotel jack torrance is there repairing the hotel for some guy that's thousands of miles away yeah who actually owns it and runs it in the on season um so what does it actually mean to for Jack to be sort of maintaining the hotel. And that's the, what I took from the book. But then in the film, it's just kind of some guys and one of them's dressed like a bear. And it, it, I think it was confirmed that it's meant to be the same people in the, from the book, but the bar and it's the just bedroom. Not, and I remember thinking, what? It's it just make not, any sense. It's me. just not explained. Um, yeah, I just don't, I just don't get it. <laughs> oddly enough, I prefer that because it's so weird and it's so out there. I was horrified the first time I watched it. I was like, what the fuck is this? What is going on? Like, like, it's just so out there and just so mm. completely antithetical to what's going on. It's like that fear of the unknown. Again, it's like, why? What? You don't even know. How do, how do you even gauge that? You know? It's yeah, like, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I do think it works more for the book for it to be a, like more of a, a historical sort of thing. that Because it's, it's a mystery as well. You know, mm. whereas the film is far more abstract and it's more about, you know, having to guess and let's sort of putting mm. very vague pieces together. Um, mm. This also it it reminds me of another thing I was thinking about the film and and what you've been saying about, um, the stage play and the film and the and the second film and the book and how they're all sort of slightly different and it's um makes me think of, oh excuse me, makes me think of Stephen King's philosophy of sort of um. When a director starts making a film based on one of his books, that's theirs now. That's that's theirs. Yeah. That he's not involved anymore. Because um, famously, he massively opposed the idea of casting Jack Nicholson to play Jack Torrance. Yeah. Um, because the idea of the book is that Jack Torrance is a family man trying to better himself, and then he gets sort of dragged back into his old alcoholism, and he's sort of possessed by the spirit of the hotel, and he tries to redeem himself but can't. Yeah. Um, but Jack, Jack Nicholson Nicholson's... is very clearly very insane yeah. right from the start. <laughs> You know I mean? He's so fucking creepy to just begin with, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I heard him a long time ago, but uh, well, it's just, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's no doubt that he's gonna end up fucking killing someone at some point." You yeah, know? and that he makes some offhand quip about the Donner Party eating each other. It's like, "Oh well, he saw it on the television." Um, <laughs> what? I mean, I suppose if it's like, I like, I think The Shining is a good film, and mm. there's. It does. I've, I've, I'm sure I've said this about a million fucking times, but like, it does a thing that very few horror films begin to let or, or do. It never lets up. 
It's like, yeah. even when it's sunny and there's nothing going on, there's horrific noise, and it always keeps you on edge, you know? And it, it keeps that sort of level of, of mm, mm. fear there. But I think you're right about... I think Stephen King was right about the... It's more tragic and more horrifying if it's a guy who has been bad in the past and is now normal and mm, doing mm. well to sort of be dragged back into the things that, you know, his demons yeah. sort of drag him back down, if you know, that's more horrible yeah, than just Yeah, kind a... of, because um, if I, um, it's been a while since I read the book, but if I'm remembering right, I think he got fired from his teaching job for hitting a student. Yeah. I think, um, I, th- I forget what it was, I think the student was slashing his tyres or something, and um, he, he describes it in the book as like the red mist descended and he just smacked the kid to the floor. Um, and, and, and he sort of got fired and he was like, oh my God, what have I done? And he immediately tries to better himself and he stops drinking and he, like his marriage is falling apart because of his alcoholism and he tries to stop drinking and he stops doing that. And then the more time he spends at the hotel, this empty hotel where they've removed all the alcohol, he like yeah. finds vodka and whiskey in the cupboards and, and makes himself martinis and stuff. Um, and then he sort of he gets tempted to hit Danny a few times, and it's like you can sort of see him sliding back yeah. into this bizarre hybrid of the nightmarish hotel spirit and the worst possible version of Jack Torrance. Yeah, definitely. No, it's more gradual, and I think that that works more. Mm. I would say. Um, but quick, tie it back to Train Spotting. Um, in in um in um. <laughs> In The Shining, it snows, and train spotting is set in Scotland, where sometimes it snows. Wow, fucking hell! <laughs> Why is it called train spotting? That's what I want to know. I don't, I don't, I don't fucking know. Why is it called train spotting? Let's see. The film is a the film title is a reference to a scene in the book where Begbie and Renton meet an old drunkard who turns out to be Begbie's estranged father in the disused Leith Central Railway Station, where uh, which they are using as a toilet, he asks them if they are train spotting. Oh. Um, okay. Well, there you go. I mean, maybe it's <laughs> That's, that... That's uh, very specific. Maybe because trains are really fast, and it's like, it's a... It, it's a cheap thrill if you're standing on the platform as it goes whizzing past, but if you get too maybe? close, you get killed. I don't, I don't I have no idea. But, um... It's certainly obscure. It's catchy. Uh, but I think I'm dead and not. I don't think I know that I'm definitely out of notes now. Yes, um, I am also out of notes. Have you got a closing statement? Yeah, uh, don't fucking do heroin, please. And thank you. Yep. Don't do heroin, please and thank you. Also mine. There you go. Um, Should we do some shilling? Uh, yeah, go on then. Yeah. Uh, we all have link trees and... Uh, Lewis's link tree is a link to yr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine's is slash O'Hiram. And the podcast's is slash Shouting Into The Void. There you will find our socials, our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube. All that stuff we post quite regularly. So go have a look and give it a quick like and give us a follow. Thank you. Um, we also have a PayPal donate button. So anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly um, appreciated. We also have Patreon, and we want to take the opportunity, as we do every week, to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Doogie. Thank you, one and all. 
Um, you do allow us to make this podcast that we love to make. You allow us to go from Marvel to train spotting <laughs> on, on the head of a pin, and that means the world. So thank you very, very much for allowing us to do that. Yes, thank you so much, guys. It really means a lot to us. Um, we also have merch on Teespring and Redbubble, tote bags, jumpers, mugs, stickers, all sorts of stuff. Go over there, get yourself something nice. Yeah, treat yourself. Treat yourself. You deserve it. You've been working hard. And as um, Don Meagle and Tom Haverford would say, treat yourself. Yeah, whoever they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> From Parks and Rec, the treat yourself bit. Oh, yeah, shit. Uh, yeah, them. <laughs> I'll cut that out. No, I won't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We are also partnered with an amazing company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue, and Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Indeed I am. Number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife, in which they crochet, and they're very, very good at it. And if you would like to bless your Instagram feed with some amazing content... (coughs) Oh, I'm going to start that again. (coughs) Christ. You all right? (coughs) Yeah. I'm keeping this in. in oh, fuck <laughs> off. Inhaled a piece of dust or something. <clears throat> uh, number 12 Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife in which they crochet and they're very, very good at it. And if you would like to bless your Instagram feed with a wonderful, wonderful account, you can go to at number 12 Crochet Avenue, give them a cheeky follow and a couple of likes and see what's going on over there. Thank you. Yes, please do. Well, that was train spotting. It was. Yeah, it was very dark, very gloomy and uh yeah lots to lots Indeed. to think about uh, Indeed. but guess what folks we don't know what we're doing for the next one. Oh, no i've got a, i've got a gentle gentle request though oh go on shall i spin the wheel yeah spin the wheel and i'll, I'll i will carve it into stone that yeah. this is what we're doing next week yeah go on oceans 11 oh danny Famously hates heist movies. I do. This is the heist movie, yeah. really. It's sort of the the pinnacle of the genre, mm. and I think it's better than a lot of other ones. Okay. And, I, and because I think that, I mean, I don't want to spoil it because you know most of what I'm about, to, what I want to say now is what I will be going into next week. But yeah. um, I think this is a really good example of what the genre can be if you take a long time to sit down and read your script, write your script, get good actors in, get an interesting thing, interesting and engaging antagonist, I think it's a good example of what the genre can be, um, and I will be interested to hear Danny's thoughts on it, aside from um, what I know to be his opinion of heist movies already. And his opinion of heist movies is... Yeah, that, that, is, that is definitely it. But, Lewis, you sat through this absolute eyesore of a film <laughs> so it's only fair um yeah and oh, then no, this has just become us trading insults <laughs> now <laughs> but definitely um after this danny we're gonna do mamma mia and you're gonna be fucking happy about it oh yeah well after this we're gonna do the human centipede what, what do you think of that bitch <laughs> <laughs> but um no i'm you know i'll give it a chance uh you know, it seems to have a few people in it. It's got uh, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and mm. some other The folks. one thing I would say, um, watching this movie, both for Danny and the listeners at home, listen to it with headphones on. Don't distract yourself while you're watching it. Pay 100% of your attention to the movie. Okay. Um, I think that's the only way you'll get the maximum experience out of it first time round. I will do. Um, and I hope you all do as well. Indeed. But until then, we shall see you, hear you, smell you. 
um, turn into a worse version of Jack Torrance next time. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Did you bring the fucking kids? Goodbye. <laughs>